cancer, Gerson therapy, and much more in this podcast episode. Mind, body, nutrition, the triple play podcast. Because everybody is an athlete in this game of life. Get off the sidelines. Time to get in the game. You know, I've treated so many patients that have gone through cancer and it's one of the most debilitating things I've ever seen, especially if they're going with conventional treatment routes. And some people, they do well, but the majority, I haven't really seen much improvement when they're going down the conventional route only. Now, in this podcast episode, I interview Dr. Vickers, and he's gonna talk a lot about the things that he's been uh, witness to with with the Gerson therapy. Those of you who know of the Gerson therapy already know the, you know what comes along with that. But Dr. Vickers really gives us an insight and talks about some of the most controversial things surrounding the topic of cancer. And we dig deep into a lot of things, and some of the things may just rock your world on some uh, on what he says as far as what they're doing. But you gotta look at what is the proof in the pudding and I, that's what I always says never 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 throw the baby out with the bathwater and take the information and and really do your own research that's what I always encourage everybody is to do your own research and then gather as much information that when you're doing that research and then make a decision on what route you need to be going all right let's get into it everybody welcome back to the triple play performance podcast Today, we're going to talk about a controversial topic for a lot of people. Um, no, we're not talking about vaccines today. We're talking about cancer. And, and one of the things that I know everybody, uh, it, it's in the back of our minds, as it should be. And we have uh, Dr. Patrick Vickers today. Um, hey, Doc, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little Hi, bit thanks. about yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, you know, ever since I was 11 years old, I wanted to be a chiropractor. A friend of our family's was a chiropractor and they were staying at our home uh, for the weekend when their five-year-old child who was sleeping in my bed with me one night um, woke up with a cough that wouldn't stop. He mm. coughed for like 20 minutes straight. And then finally his father heard him. It was like three in the morning and came upstairs, lied him on the end of the bed, adjusted his neck both ways, and he immediately stopped coughing. I mean, he didn't cough the rest of the night and I was 11 years old and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do for a living. Love it. So yeah. And, and that just stuck with me ever since I was 11. And so here I am a year away from graduating chiropractic school at New York chiropractic college. When a woman by the name of Charlotte Gerson came and spoke at our school. Now who's Charlotte Gerson? She's the last living daughter of Dr. Max Gerson, who Nobel Peace Prize winner, Dr. Albert Schweitzer, mm. called the greatest genius in medical history. And so as soon as she opened her mouth and started telling us about how her father was reversing virtually every single disease, but most notably advanced terminal cancer, I knew it was the truth. I knew it was the higher calling. And I said, that's what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing. And so I just developed this passion for Dr. Gerson's work and his legacy. And his daughter, Charlotte, recognizing that, invited me to come spend two months at her home in San Diego, where she had all her father's handwritten files of all his active patients from 1910 to 1959 when he died. And I'm one of a handful of people who've ever had the opportunity to study Dr. Gerson's handwritten files. And so, you know, that's the, that's the five minute overhaul of, of who I am, what I do. And, and now I have a clinic in Rosarito, Mexico, where we're applying Dr. Gerson's protocol and have now applied advanced protocols to enhance his basic foundations. And it's called the Advanced Gerson Therapy Clinic in Rosarito, Mexico. What do you think, what made Dr. Gerson's uh, protocols so successful? That's a great question. You know, we're used to taking a pill, yeah. getting hooked up to an IV. And when people say, so why is Gerson's therapy so successful? I mean, eight movies have chronicled Dr. Gerson's yes. work. Yeah, there's nothing can compare, nothing can remotely boast that. And so when, I, when people ask that question, I say, well, the reason why it's so successful is because it's the most difficult. 
Mm. It's such an intensive dietary and detoxification therapy. Our patients are getting 20 pounds of organic fruits and vegetables every single day. And then they're getting detoxification procedures as well, most notably something Gerson made famous, and that's the coffee enema. Mm. But why is it so successful? Well, in 1931, Otto Warburg won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for proving cancer can't survive in a body that's properly oxygenated. So did he mean that you just put oxygen up to your nose and breathe in oxygen to be cured? No. He went on to state that the primary factor in the body's ability to oxygenate tissues Hmm. is an alkaline diet. And he proved it. That's why he won the Nobel Prize in medicine. Cancer can't survive in a highly oxygenated body, which is dependent on an alkaline diet. Now, how does oxygen have anything to do with healing cancer? It has everything to do with healing cancer. When you're listening to the news, reading a newspaper, in the magazines, what do you find is always one of the predominating factors in getting cancer? Obesity. Mm -hmm. And it becomes an issue of metabolism. When you see someone who's sick and dying, what do you notice? They're lethargic. Why are they lethargic? They've lost the capacity to produce energy on a cellular level, which by definition is metabolism. And if you read Dr. Gerson's book he published a year before he died, that word metabolism you see over and over and over again. When we get a breakdown in metabolism, the production of energy on a cellular level, that is when disease sets in because you need massive amounts of energy to maintain a healthy immune system and most certainly to cure a sick and dying one. And that is the crux of the matter. And nobody understood that better than Dr. Gerson. And nobody's therapy reflects that very fact better than Dr. Gerson's therapy. Yeah. You know, we've, as the United States, right, we've waged this war on cancer, right? And, and, right. Um, but it doesn't seem like the war has been even inching forward, right? I mean, we've, no, no doubt about it, we've generated a huge amount of therapeutics. We've done billions, maybe trillions of dollars, you know, in the oncology department with chemotherapies. And now, you know, they rebranded it with um, immunotherapies, targeted immunotherapies. But it doesn't seem like we're moving the needle right, where we may be extending life a little bit longer than what they're seeing. But as far as preventative measures, right? That's right. And and we know that there's this big battle between, hey, is cancer mainly genetic? Or is it lifestyle? What (laughs) what's your take on that? Well, look, genetics is one of the biggest frauds out there. Right. I mean, in 1900, one out of every 100 people, they say maybe one out of every 60 people got cancer. We're down to one out of every two at this point. And it's going to be one out of every one in the next 30 years is what they're saying, that we're all going to be guaranteed at some point by 2050 to get cancer. So between 1900 and now, you know, based on just basic evolution, we know genetics doesn't change that dramatically, right? right? So what's happened since 1900 and now? You've just had a complete burst overhaul and extension of the industrial revolution, right? Yeah. We have belched every poison into our air, our water, our food, the incredible amount of stress in our lives. Now the incredible amount of electromagnetic frequencies and cell phones, mm. you know, and computers, right? These things are precipitating cancer and just for lack of a better word, it is pandemic at this point. Yeah. And so to say that it's genetic, it's not genetic other than it's an issue of epigenetics, meaning that you may be predisposed in your family to get something. It may be prostate cancer in your family. Maybe it's colon cancer in my family, breast cancer in someone else's. You know, you'll hear, well, my mom had it, my grandma had it, my auntie had it, and therefore it's genetic, I have it. Well, that is not the case. What runs in families? Habits, diet, right? Relationships, right? Environmental exposure, because you're typically living near each other, right? So all of these factors play a role. 
in expressing your already pre-genetic factors that you may have within your family. So cancer is not genetic in the sense that you're doomed to get it because it's in your genetics. You're pre-genetically disposed to get something. We all are yeah. if we fall outside the laws of nature. And if you look at our world today, if we haven't fallen outside the laws of nature in many respects, we are going to be ravaged with disease. Mm -hmm. And this world is ravaged with disease. So it's not an issue of genetics as if there's nothing you can do about it. It's in my family, therefore I'm going to get it. It's an issue of epigenetics. All of these factors in our world today playing a role in causing gene expression that ends up turning into some kind of a disease, most notably today, cancer, right? Yeah. But it's not genetic as if you're doomed. Right. You can completely protect your body and be healthy until the day you die if you're living inside the laws of nature, dietarily, spiritually, right, physically. So all of these things, it's just not genetic. It's an issue of epigenetics. You said something earlier about electromagnetics and and how does how does that you know play a role um interestingly i think it was yesterday the air a bunch of different airlines are protesting against the launch of 5g um around airports saying how it'll be detrimental towards uh, telecommunications and may have an effect on air traffic control and all of the instrumentation within, you know, the, these airplanes. If we know that, why are, are we shying away from the effects of electromagnetic radiation, whether it's ionizing or non-ionizing in relation to our health? Why is that? Well, I mean, look, the world now is permeated with cell phone usage, right? I mean, yeah. we can't live our lives without, without, right. uh, without these, these waves, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I'm 53. So when, when the microwave came out as a kid, what were we taught? Stay away from the microwave when it's running. And that, You're going to. That always freaked me out when my grandmother told me that. I'm like, what well, well, was there? <laughs> well, not to mention what it does to your food. I mean, literally, I never, ever will cook with a microwave, right? It totally destroys your food. But anyway, the point is, we were taught as kids, when the microwave's running, stay away from it or you're going to get cancer. Well, what is a computer? What is a cell phone? This is microwave radiation. Yeah. And what are we doing? We have it in our hand. I'm guilty. We have it in our hands all day. Yeah. I live and die by my cell phone, right? It's, I run everything off of it. So it's huge money, obviously. So nobody wants to interfere with big money. That's why Gerson's the most censored therapy in the history of medicine. It would destroy the pharmaceutical industry. But how is it affecting our health? Do you know what 4G, 5G does to the human body? It prevents oxygen from binding to hemoglobin. Why is that significant? I just summed it up in why the Gerson therapy is so successful. When we're talking about the breakdown of food into energy, that requires oxygen. That is what Nobel Prize winner Otto Warburg stated about oxygen in the body. 5G, 4G, not only is it deadly radiation, but what it does is it prevents oxygen from binding to hemoglobin. If you can't get oxygen bound to hemoglobin, you can't get oxygen into the cells. If you can't get oxygen into the cells, you can't convert your food into energy. It gets broken down into lactic acid and that will feed disease. So it's a two, it's a two reason problem with 5G, 4G, now they want to come out with 6G. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding? Oh it's just, it's lunacy. Yeah. We live in a world full of lunacy. We've taken the bait. We've taken their bait, and now they're killing us with it. Yeah, and, you know, we see all kinds of issues going on within society. Um both, you know, on, on a physical aspect, um, but also on, on a mental aspect, you know, you talked about, you know, our cell phones and um, all the stuff on like social media. And, 
you know, now we're seeing where, and you, and you just, you alluded to it, you know, that, that the Gerson therapy is one of the most censored ones out there. Um, you know, and in this day and age over the last couple of years, we've been seeing censorship of even like what we would consider mainstream things. Why, why is it that Gerson therapy or any type of therapeutics that falls outside of what the mainstream, um, you know, mainstream medicine that they, they tout about. Why, why is there such a great pushback? I mean, outside of the obvious things that we know about with money and all that kind of stuff, why, why else would there be a pushback if, if, if it's helping people? Huh. No, the issue really does come down to money. Mm -hmm. I mean, in 1946, yeah. Gerson testified before the United States Senate, okay? Yeah. He was asked to testify. He was brought to testify on his therapy because uh, uh, the Pepper Neely anti-cancer bill had come to the floor of the United States Senate, which was designed to appropriate $100 million in funding. So he testified July 1st through the 3rd, bringing five of his most terminal cancer patients he'd ever seen. And so he didn't just talk about, though, his curing of those patients. Mm. He was talking about all the things causing cancer even back then. The agricultural industry, the energy industry, all the chemicals that were going into our environment. He even talked about radiation. All of these things. Well, who's supplying? Who is supplying the money to the campaigns of these politicians of ours? Yeah. All of those industries Gerson was talking about. So you can imagine the red flag that went up through all of Washington at that point. When he finished testifying, he was to give his interview to the international press, <laughs> and they whisked him away to the international press room. He sat alone for an hour and a half, and nobody showed up to interview him. They whisked the international press off to another room and threw an impromptu party on their behalf. They kept the world from hearing about Dr. Gerson. Why? It's simple. Money runs the world. And Dr. Gerson would have completely destroyed an entire way that they were trying to take society, which we're living it today. So money's the big issue. Other issues is that, look, one of the reasons why the pharmaceutical industry is so successful is because nobody wants to change their life. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we all just want a pill. Right. We all just want to be hooked up to an IV. The, the Gerson therapy, as you mentioned, it's not just a treatment. It's a prevention as well, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. People, we live in an instant gratification society where people simply can't live a disciplined life anymore as it relates to particularly diet. We have the worst diets that the planet has ever seen in history. And that's another reason why, because again, we've taken the bait. We've bought what they have fed us. And so those two factors play the biggest role in why something like Gerson hasn't hit the mainstream and even if it did at this point, it probably wouldn't make much of a difference because nobody would embrace it. Mm. Well, kind of segueing a little bit to the testing route. Have you seen where we're, we're kind of the oncology departments, are they over-testing and over-diagnosing a lot of cancers to jump into treatments? Because I've been seeing a lot more of that on my end where patients, you know, they got into a car accident, they went in for an x-ray, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, you have uh, stage four lung cancers, we got we to gotta start you off on, you know, chemotherapy, radiation, and all that stuff. Um, I've seen a bunch of patients that have been diagnosed with other types of cancers, and then, you know, I tell them, hey, let's go get a second opinion, and they come back, and it wasn't. Come on. Yeah. So uh, I'm seeing a lot of misdiagnoses or overdiagnoses really? where, yeah, and it's like, it's, it, it's getting kind of crazy. Uh, and wow, I've had w one patient over the last like five years where they were misdiagnosed, but because of 
going through the traditional treatment regimens, they ended up with other issues when they were misdiagnosed, but they were put into the treatment programs. Um, why do you think, or what, what's going on with that? Oh, I have to tell you, <laughs> I would hate to think that that's the case. I mean, I, when yeah, people, me you know, yeah. you know, when people come into my clinic, they give us their records, right? We always right. request their records. And I mean, I have to say that, you know, their reports are their reports and their scans are their scans. And the people coming to me, they have cancer, right? And I would hate to think, and, and, you know, not to say that that's not the case. I'm sure, you know, where the dead are or the sick are, the vultures gather, right? Sure. And so, you know, I mean, that would be news to me. And I would hate to think that even your oncologists would stoop that low. However, I can't tell you the pressure that they put on people when they're diagnosed, they will literally call that patient daily for two weeks, mm. scaring the living dickens out of them to get them in for chemotherapy almost the next day after diagnosis. Because once they're diagnosed, they are a million dollar baby mm. at that point, you know? And so I'd hate to think that that's going on, you know, uh, legitimately. I, I mean, I understand mistakes. But if that's happening, you know, crazy. yeah, it, yeah, that that would be pretty crazy. Yeah. So give us a, a, like a brief overview of what exactly is Gerson therapy. You know, I know there's, there's going to be a bunch of people that have no idea what this is. Um, yeah. If you've been living under a rock, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, yeah. Give us a brief overview. What 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 is Gerson therapy? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, it's a, it's a massive dietary and detoxification therapy. And if you ever heard Charlotte Gerson uh, lecture, if anyone ever asked her, what's the cause of disease, mm -hmm. you would always hear her say two things, deficiency and toxicity, that those were the two major causes of disease today. So let's just address those really quickly. What did she mean by deficiency? Well, look, when you eat cookies, cake, ice cream, white sugar, white rice, white flour, pasta, pizza, you know, bagels, English muffins, toast, whatever, you know, these foods have been completely stripped of their nutrients. Now, when you eat those foods, your body requires those nutrients that have been stripped out of the food in order to run it through energy cycles in order to, to possibly be able to utilize it. So if the nutrients have been stripped out, where's your body going to get it? Well, you have a reserve tank in your body for your immune system. That reserve tank is your bone and your bone marrow. So every single time you've eaten those things, and, and how many times are we eating that on a daily basis, right? Every single time you do that, you're depleting your bone and your bone marrow, which is your immune system's reserve tank. So you do that for three, four, five decades, you will come down with cancer. It is that simple. And so deficiency is a huge issue. The average age for a patient of mine is right around 50 to 55. That is the median age, I would say. Why? Because the human body can only take that depletion of its reserve tank in the immune system for so long, then the body can no longer fend itself against cancer. For example, Mike, right now, you have cancer. Right. I have cancer. We all have cancer cells in our body. Did you know that? That's scary for people to hear that, right? But it's true. It's a normal process of life. Exactly, yeah. A healthy immune system is dealing with these cancer cells on a daily basis. Yeah. So at what point, at what point does the immune system no longer have the upper hand on what's already a natural process when the immune system's reserve systems are depleted? No. And we do that decade after decade with our poor, poor, deficient diets. So that's why the Gerson therapy is 20 pounds of organic fruits and vegetables every single day, mostly in the form of juicing. And you have to do that for two years. When you have a terminal disease, it's two years. If you have a less malignant 
or a non-malignant disease, it's probably around six to 12 months typically, okay? But a cancer patient is two years. Why? Because the body is that depleted and you have to completely rebuild and restore the reserve system, the bone and the bone marrow. And just to give you an example of what I mean, I'm a chiropractor. So I'm a chiropractor. If I take any 60 to 70 to 80-year-old today and I x-ray them, they are completely showing signs of osteoporosis mm. for the very reasons I just stated. So that's obvious. That's one thing we have to address on the Gerson therapy. And so our patients are getting 13 fresh pressed juices every single day, every hour on the hour fresh. And if it's not fresh, it doesn't work because those juices break down and lose their power within a half hour to 45 minutes. So they have to be drunk right away, right? Mm -hmm. And then if the food's not organic, our patients die. It's that simple. You cannot heal the human body on non-organic food. Why? Because conventional food is only grown with three things, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. That is the artificial fertilizer. It's called NPK. That is it. And so there's nothing else in it other than that. And your body requires 59 to 60 other vitamins and minerals from composted material in order to function as a healthy immune system. So if it's not organic, our patients don't survive, okay? Not to mention that non-organic food is sprayed. It's radiated to increase shelf life, okay? So it has to be organic. So this is how we address the issue of deficiency, simple. Now, you have to address the issue of toxicity. Mm -hmm. Patients coming in are so toxic from the environment, from stress, but particularly from years of abusive diet. And now you have tumors that have their own toxic byproducts from their metabolism. And now as you juice, you create more toxicity because you're breaking down disease tissue, you're rebuilding new tissue. So we have to detoxify the body in a major way. And there is not a better way to detoxify the human body, and you're hardly going to believe it, but it's a coffee enema. Taking a coffee, now you've heard everything, right? And that's, Mike, that's without cream and sugar, when, right? When no people cream. hear that, right? <laughs> They're like, you want, wait, 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 you want me to do what? That's right. Okay. So people are like, okay, I'm done listening to this guy. I've heard enough, uh, you, but listen, you know, let me, here's, here's my testimony. Uh, my personal testimony in coffee enemas, you know, in 2012, I was, I was really ill. Um, not, not in the cancer department, just really ill. I had a lot of gastrointestinal stuff going on the whole nine yards. I just had lack of energy. Um, and then one of my friends turned me on to doing coffee enemas. And I gave him the same remark. Like you want me to do what with, the coffee and, and I kid you not, that was the one thing that turned me around and got me back on my, you better believe it. Yeah. You still doing, do you still do them? Yes. Yes. You know, I tell everyone, everyone, you do one coffee enema or you do coffee enemas for a week. It'll change you'll, never, life. you'll never start doing them. You'll never stop doing them. Right. Yeah. So let me, let me explain the yeah. science real quick on why the coffee enema is so powerful. Now, this isn't Folgers crystals, you know, <laughs> you're going to make, right? This isn't the freeze-dried the freeze dried Nesca <laughs> Nescafe, whatever, you know. This is a properly roasted organic coffee from a special bean that we get roasted specifically, specifically for the enemas from a company in Oregon. So the liver, it produces an enzyme called glutathione transferase. Glutathione transferase is one of the most potent detoxifying enzymes in the human body. Your liver produces it. Your liver requires palmitic acid to make glutathione transferase. Properly roasted organic coffee is loaded with palmitic acid. Mm. And it has been scientifically demonstrated that when you do one coffee enema, just one, the production of glutathione transferase goes up six to 700% greater than normal. 
That is the science. And our patients are getting up to five coffee enemas per day. So they're getting massive amounts of detoxification in conjunction with the dietary therapy. Now, people say, well, if I stick it up my rear end, how is it getting to my liver? Well, can't I just drink it? <laughs> no, you can't. Because those palmitic acid salts, first of all, you're not going to like that coffee yeah. to drink. It's not roasted properly. It's not the same bean, has a different acidity. So, and when it goes through the digestive tract, those palmitic acid salts are going to get burned up. When you take it rectally, it goes in completely unadulterated. What's sitting right there? The hemorrhoidal veins, right? Hemorrhoids, right? The hemorrhoidal veins. The hemorrhoidal veins absorb the coffee. They carry it to the portal vein, and the portal vein ends in the liver. So it goes straight to the liver without being adulterated, and it gets used up immediately by the liver. That is the science. It's indisputable. We know it. It is one of the most powerful ways to detoxify the human body. I love it. You know, and um, when, when people hear about things like coffee enemas, uh, you know, eating a, a billion pounds of freshly squeezed and pressed or organic vegetables. A lot of times people are like, doc, I'm not going to do that. That's right. I'm not going to do that. Right. And, That's right. and a lot of times they go and they say, you know what, I'm just going to go in chemotherapy route. And then they, then they say, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should have started with you. Right. And what are what do you find is the success rate where a patient initially gets diagnosed and they say i don't want to do the hard stuff i'm going to go and just put a needle in me uh, and get the chemotherapy um, interventions and then they find that that doesn't work and then they come to you and they say uh i need you to do your thing what's the success rate that you find with that okay well for starters in order to come up with success rates, like the medical profession yeah. comes up to, with success rates, you have to be able to control your subjects, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you have to limit the variables. So let me just, you know, briefly, when you're talking about success rates with drugs, there's only two variables, the drug and the placebo. Mm -hmm. They don't take anything else into consideration. And they base success on whether or not it has a beneficial effect, yeah. not a complete cure, right? And so on this therapy, the Gerson therapy, there's countless variables and you can't control the subjects. When you leave our clinic after two to three weeks and you go home for the next two years, are you eating cookies, cakes, and ice cream? Or are you eating yeah. you know, salads, potatoes, and drinking carrot and green juice? We don't know. And you're going to lie about it anyway. Right. So we're not even going to ask, right? So you can't come up with success rates. However, pertaining to your question, those people who go and get chemo first, and then they come to our clinic, they're exponentially harder to cure than had they come to our clinic first. Because the chemo has absolutely destroyed their immune system, has left them absolutely toxic because probably 50 to 60% of that chemo or more is stored up in the cells. And you can't get it out until you start juicing and detoxifying them. So we have to put them on a modified lesser protocol to slowly detox mm. them or we could kill them. Yeah. We yeah. could kill them. If we pull too much chemo out, we could literally put them into chemo toxic shock. So we have to detox them more slowly. But the success on a patient who's had chemo compared to one who hasn't, it's like night and day. Right. Not to mention that when you've done chemo, you've now allowed the cancer to become more aggressive because you can't kill all the cancer with chemo. You can't. You can only kill the mature cells. You can't kill the stem cells. Yeah. And so now you've left the stem cells to multiply with a weaker immune system. And that's what you see every single time. You know, when, you I, see when I talk to patients about that, they often say that the oncologist never mentioned that to them, right? right? They just say, you have stage four, whatever cancer it mm -hmm. is. Uh, we're going to do chemotherapy and um, we're going to judge the success rate of that chemotherapy when the tumor shrinks or is eradicated. But they never talk about the stem cells to them. 
And like yeah. whenever I mentioned the idea of, well, stem cells, it, it never gets touched. And like what you just said, you, you're going to be playing with a weakened immune system. They kind of get this look like, well, I've never heard that from my oncologist before. Um, why are they not saying about all this stuff? Honestly, I'm not sure they really understand it. You know, yeah. they're not they're never taught about health. They don't understand how the human immune system really works yeah. and what it really needs. Right. And so, honestly, I, I think oncologists, you know, and forgive me, but they're some of the most deceived and ignorant people I've ever had to deal with. I mean, these guys have not had an ounce of nutrition in their entire, you know, yeah. 10 years of schooling. And so they don't understand how the human body works that way. But you would think that if you're doing oncology for 10, 20 years, you would see this over and over and over again. That, oh, well, I saw you last time I sent you home uh, with a clean bill of health. What are you doing back two to seven years later? Because mm. that is the reality. I can't tell you how many people have run the gamut with chemo, radiation, and surgery, sent home with a clean bill of health, and they're coming back to me two to seven years later. I'd say that's 90% or more of cases. That's just, that's just crazy. It, Super crazy. It is. So had they radically changed their life, that wouldn't have been the case. So with that said, mm. a person gets diagnosed with cancer. Mm. What would be your recommendation that they do right off the bat? What would you do? Uh, I'd probably stay away from the oncologists. Mm. I mean, look, chemotherapy, I don't know if people know this. Do you know what its foundations are? Do you know what it's chemically made up of? Mm. Mustard gas. Yeah. It's mustard gas. That is the literal chemical makeup of chemotherapy. Mustard gas is what? What we use to kill people in biological warfare. How can a sick body get well by injecting mustard gas? It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. The way you get a sick body healthy is you must revert to a radical dietary change, cut out all animal products with the exception of a non-fat yogurt. That's it. You have to cut out all oils, all salt, all animal products, and that's how you can start to properly restore the human body i.e. metabolism, which we addressed early in this, in this interview. So I've dealt with a bunch of patients that their child has had cancer. And the, the, the two questions that always arises was, one, if cancer is a disease where, you know, it's in older people, why is my child getting it? Wow. And then the second one is, if I try to refuse treatment for my child, they may take my child away from me. Wow. That, both of those are great questions. Yeah. So before Gerson died in 1959, he even said, there's going to come a point where my basic therapy is not going to get the results that it's mm -hmm. getting now because he saw the direction society was going in. Yeah. And he was right. You know, he was getting upwards of 50% or more of his patients who complied with the therapy better. Today, we're not near those numbers. That's why we've had to add advanced protocols on top of Dr. Gerson's therapy, protocols that are in the scientific literature for proving its effects on cancer. So Gerson was right. Every generation that's being born consecutively is weaker than the generation before it. I just had a woman call me the other day. Her one-year-old has had cancer for the last two to three months, no. and now they're out of options. That's outrageous. No. That's absolutely outrageous. That means that baby's body was so depleted going into the birth yeah. that it comes down with cancer almost immediately after birth. And then you ask, well, what if I refuse treatment? By law, your child is not your child yeah. until they're 18 years of age. They are considered a product of the state if they have a social security number, right? It's craziness, right? 
They're a product of the state. They're not your child. So up until they're 18, they are bound by the laws of the state. And every state's law, the only acceptable form of treatments by law are chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. And if you deny that, you will go to jail, your child will get confiscated and be forced to do chemotherapy until they're 18 years of age, where then they have complete sovereignty over their own body, which that's going out the door in the next year or two, because that's probably going to be forced vaccinations by the time this is all over, right? Yeah, it's just craziness where (laughs) where the world is, where it's coming from. It makes no sense. I mean, it's yeah, it 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 doesn't. And, you know, I've always told patients, I says, you know, because because patients are like, well, none, none of this makes sense. And I says, yeah, when when you paint a picture of fear, you can control anything. Right. And, and when it when when the picture of cancer is painted, it, it's shrouded with fear because mm. You see so much of the issues surrounding it, but I've often questioned whether it's, you know, the the idea of fear around cancer, is it about the cancer itself or are, are we more fearful about the treatments surrounding that and the, the negative effects about it? Um, and I don't know, you know, is it just the cancer or is it more so the treat the conventional treatments that we know of today? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. But, uh, you know, once you are diagnosed, the fear they try to drive into you and that fear comes before you're even diagnosed. Yeah. Right. I mean, the media just portrays this incredible fear of cancer because they teach us that it's not curable. Right. And so, of course, the, the whole world's going to have fear of cancer if they don't understand that it's completely curable, right? Um, But I'll tell you, I'd have more fear about the treatments than the actual cancer itself for the reasons we just stated. Mustard gas was made to kill people in war, and now they're using it in medicine. Go figure. Is it any wonder that the iconic symbol of medicine is what? A serpent around a staff right? I mean, come on. Does it get any more blatant and obvious than that? A serpent around a staff? I mean, that is about what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, you alluded to the, the whole issues of what's going on, you know, currently in the state of the world and, you know, the, 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 what's going on with the pandemic and how things are radically changed and more so the mind, the mind shift right, uh, of not just the United States, but the entire world of how, how such, you know, insignificant things that we think of insignificant can control, you know, mm. of what the stuff that we can't see per se, right, and how mm. much of it controls our life, but more so the lack of the lack of clear science, or and I should say, not the the lack of the um, ignoring of you know the clear science because Dr. Gerson presented a a lot of scientific research. Uh, he was one of the most published doctors yes. in the world. People think that he's just like some quack that just said, "Oh, I'm just gonna try and throw these lotions and potions on people." <laughs> but he, he he's like he did a lot of science. Unbelievable. The guy was the consummate scientist. And like I said, he was the most or one of the most published doctors in the world until they found out he was curing cancer. Then they prohibited from publishing in all major medical journals around the world up until his death in 1959. It's a travesty, right? You know, so um, yeah, it's just unbelievable how, you know, once someone is onto something that disrupts the system, they are a marked yeah. man or woman. Oh yeah, don't I've I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, and, and throughout throughout the pandemic, we've seen a lot of docs that have come out and talked about and talked against the mainstream narrative that have just gone the wayside. 
That's right. right? Destroyed. And, I mean, you know, yeah. destroyed. And gosh, we're seeing that at a massive level currently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, geez, I can I can imagine if Dr. Gerson was here today, what would happen to him? But holy moly, we're we're well. What what ha- what's happening to them today yeah. is exactly what happened to him. Yeah. You know, back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, he was a marked man. Yeah. Just craziness is, that's going on. Yeah. Um, couple last thoughts. What would be your, you know, top couple of things that you you would share with the audience? One in in the prevention, and then two, what would you do in the immediate sense you find out you that you're diagnosed with cancer? The question is one and the same, yeah. right? We we've touched on that. An ounce of. I mean, per- stop you right there. People got to hear that because a lot of times yeah. people. They think that there's two different things. It's not. Yeah. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yes. That's probably one of the wisest things anyone can ever live by, right? And so simple. And and maybe this is another interview sometime where we go into the science behind disease. We really haven't touched on that per se. But look, we're, we're... we're more herbivoric creatures than we are carnivores, okay? Our intestinal structure, our tooth structure, our acid production in the body are more designed as an herbivore than a carnivore. Meat is one of the primary causes of all disease. And people say, well, I just eat organic meat. Well, let me tell you something. If you're eating organic meat, you know, one, two times a day, or maybe even three or four times a week, that's still too much. And so meat, Salt. Salt also is one of the primary causes of disease. It destroys metabolism and cooking with oils, oils, especially your omega-6s, your oils and your saturated fats. They are so deadly as it relates to metabolism. And so don't cook with oils. Don't eat high saturated fat oils. Don't eat salt. And that includes the good salt. Celtic salt, Himalayan salt. You need so little salt on a daily basis, literally a pinch, any more than a pinch on a daily basis of, of good salt, not table salt. I would never even touch table salt, right? And animal products. You have to be careful with animal products. The one that are high in saturated fats, right? But more importantly, they just generate so much acidity in the body. And this is where the crux of the matter is, is it relates to disease, alkalinity and acidity. And maybe that's something we can talk about it another time. But that those are the three things that people must stay away from. Animal products, salt, and cooking with oils. Yeah. Gee, um, there's, there's a huge movement as of lately right, with, with the carnivore movement. Uh, yeah, the keto, it's, it's completely fraudulent. And I you know, I get a lot of questions about the whole carnivore, you know, issue. Yeah. Um, and I think that a, a lot of it has to do with more short-sightedness than anything else, just because the issues surrounding that has to do with weight loss, right? And it's like, okay, well, yeah, of, of course, if you cut anything out, you're going <laughs> to lose weight. But, <laughs> you know, my questions have always been, well, what's the long-term ramifications? That's right. right? It's like, yeah, who, ca- who cares if you, you know, you drop, 15 pounds, if you, you, you're messing with your immune system, you're messing with cellular metabolism, you know, That's all that right. stuff, right? Like what, yep. what's the overall, you know, and, yep. you know, you look at, um, you know, I, I, I love one, you know, that book, the blue zones and, you know, showing what's the commonality behind a lot of these different blue zones. Um, a lot of that stuff, but I mean, People can go back and forth all day, right? Or, you know, surrounding this topic, but they can't, you can't really, when you understand the cellular exactly, science, exactly right. Right. When you, when you bring back down the science, then yeah. like, when you, well, when, when you explain what's happening on a cellular level, you would never do keto. Yeah. You wouldn't even think about it when you understand the cellular science. And that's a lot. When you see my interviews and my lectures and stuff, that's all I talk about. Yeah. The science behind behind keto and and vegetarianism yeah. and that's the reality well we got to get you on for another episode um and, and jump into that because i know one i would I, love I, to. I love that stuff uh, I, me too I, 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 other people would love to hear all that kind me of stuff too. 
Um, any last last words um, that you want to impart before we jump off? No, you know, other than look, Nobel Peace Prize winner Albert Schweitzer called Gerson the most eminent genius in medical history. Yeah, Gerson's been dead sixty years. He remains the most eminent genius in medical history. He possessed something elemental that even today people just haven't been able to grasp and understand it, even though the information's there. They just don't look into it, you know? And so, you know, I'm, I've, you know, Charlotte's dead now, Charlotte Gerson, she died three years ago. Her son died two months later. There's nobody left to carry on Dr. Gerson's legacy. You know, I've pretty much been the, the last man standing in, in that realm. And so, you know, I just encourage people to go, you can go to our website, gersonclinic.com, G-E-R-S-O-N, clinic.com. In fact, if you go to the gift section, if, if your listeners go to the gift section of our website and they type in the password podcast, all lowercase podcast, they can listen to all our private videos of my interviews, my lectures Very that are just, yeah, that's just set aside for for our, our paid clientele that come to our clinic so that they can re review what they learned at our clinic, right? And so go to the gift section of our website, gersonclinic.com, put in podcast, all lowercase, and you can watch literally hours of the science behind, you know, what we do. So, you know, that's, that's, really, that's really what I would encourage people to do because there's too much false information and people's egos trying to sell you what they think but the reality is that's what it is it's just egos people's opinions it's not backed by the true cellular science or the results right yeah. and everyone's trying to sell you a product and look you can put any lipstick on a pig and make it look good right and so a lot of these products they make them sound good but they're not necessarily that good. And that's where you need to understand the cellular science. So hang out on our website and go through some of those interviews and, and lectures and you're going to learn a lot. Thank you, Dr. Vickers, for being on the podcast today. I learned a lot. I don't know. Did you guys learn a lot? Here's what I want you guys to do. You know, you go to the website that he mentioned and then dig deep into that. Educate yourselves learn more about the things that he's saying rather than just going along with what somebody else says. You know, I, I tell all my patients, look at all aspects, gather enough information so, so that you can make a truly informed decision rather than just going one way and maybe that may not be the best route. Right. Especially when it comes to things like like cancer, you know, you want to make sure that you're you're understanding all the things that you're getting into. Right. And what I want you guys to do is if you found this episode useful, share this with your friends and family, post it on social media and, and tag me at Triple Play Doc. I'm on all the social platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, and you're ready to listen to this podcast and I appreciate that. So share this with every single family member that you know till the next time. Be well and aloha. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a five-star review. Connect with me on Instagram at Triple Play Doc. Stay tuned for more episodes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the entire world. Till the next episode, be well and aloha.